we, 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 take the, we take God's presence and we're like, okay, well, how do I live in it? It's those little things. It's those little things of realizing that everywhere we go and everything we do, we're in the presence of God. And so today I want to try to finish up uh, this, uh, this series, possibly, maybe, I don't know. Uh, we could go forever on the presence of God. Um, Will you two stand up for me, please? Yes, you. Oh, just take her by the hand. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare over them blessing upon blessing upon blessing. I declare over them that you open up the windows of heaven over them and begin to pour out more than they can handle, more than they can stand, more than they've ever thought that you was going to pour into them. Father, today, we declare over them that the righteousness and the blood of Jesus is applied to them and even on their baby, but I declare over them right now that open doors... Open doors, open doors, open doors. And Father, you'll give them the wisdom to know which doors that's going to lead to the biggest step of blessing that they've seen. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I've been wanting to pray for them since I saw them come in during worship, so. Hmm. <laughs> I think we can jump into this now. <laughs> so we've been talking about living in the presence, and today we're going, like I say, we're going to try to finish that up. Um, we uh, we want with the first day, if you, the first time we looked at this. Remember, we talked about prayer and how a lot of times we feel like our prayers are just going to the ceiling and they're not getting anywhere else. But if you understand that we're always in God's presence, you can go before God and you can pray, knowing your prayers are going to be answered. Now you say, well. Well, what if they don't get answered how I wanted them to get answered? <laughs> you know? See, that's when we begin to trust the sovereignty of God. We begin to trust that he knows what he's doing. And, and remember, prayer life is more than just about asking for things, but it's embracing the presence of God in our life. And it's allowing, if you'll remember, we said it's allowing the original voice of creation to speak into your situation. That's, well, that's what living in the pray and praying in the presence of God is. And, and then we looked at how to practice his presence. Well, how do I practice his presence? First, you repent. In other words, we change our mind about where we're at and how we're situated and where we're located with God. That's what repentance is. It means to change your mind. And so we change our mind about God. We change our mind about the things of God. And we come back to the house of God and come back to where God is living. And then what do we do when we're back in the house? We rest. I love that song, Defender, that, that, that Amy sang. That when all I did, all that was required of me was to bow down. All that was required of me was to worship. All that was required of me was just to praise. And that's how hard God has made being in his presence. When we learn to just rest in the quietness of, in his, in his glory. And then last, then we just learn to trust him. And last week we talked about living in the present should produce praise in our life and it should change our minds and our thinking about God. I want to go back and reread a verse that we read a couple, uh, might have been last week or week before. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 4. 
And I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation this morning. John 15, 4 says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life entirely joined with mine. He says, if you want to maintain a fruitful life, then always remember to stay connected with me. Now we know, after, especially after this teaching, that God is always here. That God is always present. But sometimes we don't think about it. Sometimes we disengage from the presence of God. It's not that God is left anywhere, that God went anywhere. It's that we have disengaged in our own thought process and our own life. Now let's, let's keep reading here. Um, verse 5. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. When he is the source and we remain living in him, he says fruitfulness will stream from where? From within you. Fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If you ever got to the point in your life where he's like, I just feel powerless. Like there's no, there's no oomph in me anymore. We need to go back and look at ourselves. Okay, are we out here trying to do this on our own? Have we disengaged from the vine? We're trying to do it our way. We're trying to do our thing. And we've disengaged from the vine. And when we disengage from the vine, then we, we absolutely are powerless. Now look at verse 6. If such a person is separated from me, he is discarded, and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Verse 7. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. If there was ever a picture of us trying to live a life on our own, I believe this is it. When we start disengaging from the power and the presence of God, then we live in a place where we're powerless. Our lives won't produce power. They're fruitless. And, and really, we're left up to no good except to be gathered up and burned. He said anytime that we separate ourselves and we get ourselves out of the presence of God. But if you engage with the presence of God... And that's what we're going to talk about today is engaging. How do we engage in the presence of God? And it's so much simpler than what we've... we've there's not a 10-step rule. There's not 10 steps to follow. It's a mindset. Simply put, engaging the presence of God is how you think about God in your daily life. But if we stay engaged in the presence of God, it says that we can ask whatever we want and it'll be done. Okay, so engaging in the presence of God. So what, that's what we want to look at for the next little bit is we have to know that God is always there. The word says that he's, he says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. It says he will go with us till the very end. Look at this uh, quote from Brother Lawrence. You're going to get a few more of those before we're done. Has anybody got that book yet? A few of you? Now, he's got some things. You're not going to agree with everything he says. But who does, right? 
He says here, he says, that many do not advance in the Christian progress because they stick penances and particular exercises while they neglect the love of God. Oh, how powerful that is. He says a lot of times we don't progress in our Christian life because we're trying to put penance in. We're trying to pay our own way. That's what a penance is. I've got to do this because I've got to make it right between me and God. That was Jesus' job. See, when you're living in life union with Christ, you're living in the realization that Jesus paid it all, that he did it all. He satisfied God's eternal sacrifice. There's no sacrifice left to be needed. He's not asking a sacrifice of you. He's not looking for you to sacrifice anything to him. He just wants you to join up and live with him. Yo, glory. And, and, and I love what Brother Lawrence says there. He said, many don't advance in their personal life because they're trying to stick penances in. He said, they don't advance in their particular life because they're trying to make living for God all about particular exercises. <laughs> do this, don't do that, and you're good with God. The problem is, a lot of times, what convicts me Come on. And God looks at me and says, Brent, won't you just not do that? I want you to not do that. And I say, okay, God, I won't do that. But he never tells Lana not to do the thing he told me not to do. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to make, okay, God wants to draw me into something. So because I had to lay this down, everybody should lay this down. <laughs> Come on. And then we sit back and we sit and we sit in judgment of people who's doing the thing that I'm not supposed to. God didn't tell them not to do it. He said, hey, you want to move over into a different place with me? You lay this thing down. Come on. See, we've tried to make rules out of this, and I love what Brother Lawrence says there. He said, many do not advance in their Christian life because they try to stick penances in, they try to stick spiritual exercises in, when all I had to do was bow down. All I had to do was worship. All I had to do was praise resting in his presence is where he wants us to be will there be times when he tells you hey won't you just cut that out absolutely but just because he tells me to cut it out doesn't mean he's going to tell everybody to cut it out remember my relationship with God is just about me and him it's not about me and everybody acting like me <laughs> and if we would remember that Imagine how much less judgmental we'd decide we'd be of people. Okay, going on. He says that many, that many don't advance in their Christian progress because they stick in penance and particular exercises. And while they neglect the love of God, which is the end, that this appeared plainly by their works and was the reason why they were so, why we see so little, little solid virtue. So we're going to talk about engaging the presence of God today, but we're also going to look at what happens if we don't engage or we disengage. If we disengage 
from the presence of God, it will dry us up spiritually. Well, I just feel dry spiritually. Well, I want to tell you something. If you ever feel dry spiritually, it's not your church's fault. It's not your pastor's fault. It's not your praise team's fault. It's not because you're not hearing the right music and you're not hearing the right preaching. If you're, we're feeling dried up spiritually, it's because we've disengaged from the vine. He says, as long as you're in life union with me, you'll be powerful. You'll be fruitful. But the moment you disengage, you become powerless and you become fruitless. So it's no one's fault. It's so easy to sit back and say, I ain't getting nothing. I'm not being taught nothing. I'm going to teach me something. I wouldn't feel this way. Come on. If Ed just sing my favorite song, I would act different. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> to disengage from the presence of God is to dry up spiritually. Look at Psalms chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1. And I'm reading from the voice this morning. <clears throat> He says here, he says, my soul is dry and thirst for you, true God, as a deer thirsts for water. Everybody knows this verse, right? If you want the King James Version, as the deer. Now, I want to ruin something for you real quick. We have completely sang this verse wrong. Everybody heard this song, right? As the deer. It's so, so beautiful and panteth for the water, so my soul. If we understood how David really wrote this, you'd never sing that song that way. You go back to the original writing of this. This is actually written as a standpoint of a deer that's being hunted and has been on the run so long that it is now so thirsty from running from its enemy that it is literally dying for a drink of water. Not, oh, as a deer. No. This is a, be this is a deer that's being chased by a pack of dogs and has run itself ragged. You know, somehow, sometimes we feel that way, right? That's what David said here. He said, man, I'm like a deer that's been hunted. I'm like a deer that's been chased. I am so thirsty, God. He says, as, a, as my soul is dry. That's why I'm reading it out of the voice because it gives you the real meaning of what he's trying to say. My soul is dry. I'm thirsty. Why? Because not because they're not preaching right, not because they're not singing right, not because somebody offended me, but because I've disengaged from the presence of God and I'm out here trying to do my own thing, do it my own way, and that leaves me thirsty. That leaves me so thirsty that even one drop of God would feel like a waterfall. He says, I'm so thirsty. I'm so dry, verse 2. As long as I long for the true God who lives. I don't think we understand longing. Well, God's ever present. God's always with us. I know that. But that doesn't mean I'm always engaged in that. Come on. He says, I long for the true God who lives, I can't stay, can't, when can I stand before him and feel his comfort? Right now, now this may be you. I feel right now, I'm overwhelmed 
by sorrow and pain. I can't stop feasting on my tears. See, if we really knew how David was writing that, he said, I'm, he said, listen, I'm, I'm crying so much, I'm tasting my tears as they're falling down my face. People crowd around me and say, where is your true God whom you claim will save? Look what he says in verse four, and with a broken heart. With a broken heart, I remember the times before. See, what's he doing? He's remembering a time when he was connected to the vine, when he was engaged with the presence of God. He's been out here doing his own thing. He's been out here trying to figure it out his way and it's left his soul thirsty. Folks, that's what it is to disengage from the presence of God is to put ourselves in a place, not that God ever left us thirsty, but we put ourselves in a place where we're thirsty. Now, why? Because he's over here and I'm over here trying to do it my way. And the thing about it is, as I come way over here, he follows me. And some, some reason, I still keep trying to get away. He's always so close to me that I can connect right back to him. Just a, just a shadow of my turning. I connect right back to the presence of God. David says here, he says, with a broken heart, I remember the times before when I was <coughs> with your people. Those were better days. I used to lead them happily into the true God's house. Singing with what? Joy. Shouting thanksgiving. You see, when we disengage from the presence of God, there's no more joy. We're not shouting with thanksgiving. We might be shouting, but it's not thanksgiving. But when we engage with the presence... He says, he says, when I was engaged with the presence, I went, I led, I led the crowd into singing. I went shouting with thanksgiving. He says, with abandon, joining the congregation with celebration. Now look, he's asking himself now, why am I so overwrought? Have you ever just stopped and asked yourself why you feel the way you do? Why am I feeling this way? Well, I'm feeling this way because of Rachel. Rachel did this to me, Rachel did that to me. No, there's another reason. <laughs> there's another reason, there's something else. Because, you know, most of the time, the, the issues that's going on in our heart really have very little to do with the circumstances we attach them to. It's usually a spiritual thing and where I'm connected to or what I've disengaged from. But it's easier to lay it on, I had trouble with D. So she just, ru she just ruined my spiritual buzz. <laughs> no, it really had nothing to do with her. There's something else going on and it's because I'm disengaging. And he says, why am I so overwrought? Why am I so disturbed? Why can't I just hope in God? Despite all my emotions, now look what he says here. Despite all my emotions, I'm going to engage. Despite all my emotions, I'm going to engage with God. I will believe and praise the one who saves me. 
and is my life. Verse 6, my God, my soul is so trauma. You ever been traumatized in your soul? I'm telling you, read this scripture in context. As the deer makes no sense singing it the way we sing it. <laughs> it should have been a metal song. <laughs> there should have been some emotion behind it. He said, my God, my soul is so traumatized. The only help is remembering you wherever I may be. From the land of the, of the Jordan uh, to Hermon's high place of Mount Mazar. In the roar of your waterfalls, ancient depths surge, calling out to the deep. All your waves break over me. Am I drowning? You imagine being so deep in the presence of God that it feels like you're drowning. He says, despite my emotions, I'll believe and I will praise and I'll remember you're with me wherever I am. And he says, oh my God, am I drowning in your presence here? I'm overwhelmed with something else now. You see, when we disengage from God, we feel like we're drowning, but it's in sorrows and we're eating our tears and we're doing all. But when we're engaged in the presence of God and we've latched on to him, it will feel like drowning in his presence. Yet in the light of day, the eternal shows me his love. When night settles in and all is dark, he keeps me company. See, this is living in his presence where you know that no matter how terrible your day has been, he's still there. And no matter how lonely you may feel on the outside, he will always keep you company. He'll, but see, if you would disengage from him, if we forget this, and we go out here and we try to live on our own, everything becomes useless and fruitless and powerless, and we're wondering, God, why'd you leave me out here in the middle of my mess? And he's saying, I've never left you in the middle of your mess. Turn around, I'm right here. Engage with me again. David said, despite my emotions, I will praise and believe he says, yet in the day, when, when the light of day, the eternal shows me his love. When night settles in and all is dark, he keeps me company. His soothing song, a prayerful melody to the one true God of my life. David starts out showing us what it's like to disengage from the presence of God. Then he shows us what it's like to say, despite my emotions, I will engage in the presence of God. Go to Psalms chapter 63. We're going to shotgun these and go to lunch. <laughs> Psalm 63 from the Living Bible, verse 1. Oh God, my God, how I search for you, how I thirst for you in a parched and weary land where there is no water. How I long to find you. Man, this is the desire God wants us. We know that he's always present. But man, remember when you first fell in love with whomever you fell in love with? And if you haven't fell in love yet, just get ready, I guess. Man, you couldn't wait to be with them. You couldn't wait to be, you didn't want to be away from them. You called them on the phone. Man, when Dee and I first started, uh, 
getting together, dating, whatever. We would sit up two or three o'clock on the morning. Both of us have to work. It's easy for me. I was working night shift then, so I kept her awake. If we just sat on the phone and watched those stupid commercials where they would tell you the, the, the greatest hits, we would sing those together. Why? Because I longed for her. I wanted every bit. Listen, I have, I have lived a blessed life. We have worked more together side by side than any couple that I, that I know of. I mean, we, when we, we taught school, we worked in the same school together. I, when I pastored in Canada, she, she was the administrative pastor of the church, side by side. Oklahoma, we worked in the same building together. We, we've been blessed. And you know what? I still, no matter what's going on, we still have almost nonstop conversation. Probably drive Sydney and Reese crazy. You two never shut up. But you know why? Because I can't think of anyone else in the world that I'd ever want to be with more than I want to be with her. And God says that if you would treat me this way, this is what David's saying for. He says, I'm so thirsty for you. I'm longing for you. I know you're not totally away from me, but how can I find more of you? This is how we engage in the presence of God when we fall in love with him as much as we ever fell in love with someone else. He says, how I wish, verse 2, how I wish I could go into your sanctuary to see your strength and glory. For your love and kindness are better to me than life itself. David said, I would rather die than be without your love. Your love, see, when we engage in the presence of God, we would rather die than ever be without it. But when we disengage with the presence of God, we're left fruitless and powerless. He says, we're, he says how I praise you, verse four. I will bless you as long as I live, lifting up my hands in prayer. This is engaging. This is engaging the presence. I will bless you as long as I live, lifting up my hands in prayer. At last, I shall be fully satisfied. Whew, glory. I will praise you with great joy. I lie awake at night thinking of you. This is engaging the presence of God, folks. Man, oh, I believe that our lives should start looking like this, Shirley where we lay awake at night and we, it's hard to even find time to sleep because we just think about him all the time, that he consumes our thoughts, he consumes our mind, he consumes our passion, he consumes every part of us and we just lay awake at night thinking of him. Most of us lay awake at night thinking about bills. We lay awake at night thinking about our kids and our grandkids. But when we engage in the presence we realize that even in our kid's life, as knuckleheaded as they can be, he's there. 
And in our grandbaby's life, wherever they're at, he's there. And we begin to trust him to be everything to them because he has become everything to us. This is what it is to live a life completely surrendered where we turn it all over to him and say, I, don't, I just don't want to have to think about it anymore, God, because I can't solve it. I'm not their savior. You have to be. And we engage he says, at last I shall be fully satisfied. I will praise you with great joy. I lie awake at night thinking of you. Oh, how much you have helped me. And how I rejoice through the night beneath the protected, protecting shadow of your wings. I follow close behind you, protected by your strong arm. Dee and I was in this room Friday afternoon. We got here and Rachel's cleaning and I was sitting back here in my office and I hear this little voice. Mommy, 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 mommy. Because Rachel had slid in here and was vacuuming and she didn't hear Lily coming up the hallway. And all of a sudden, I almost heard a little bit of crack in Lily's voice right before she realized where her mommy was. Folks, when's the last time we went searching for God, even though we knew he was in the building? She knew mommy's in the building. She knew mommy didn't leave her. She just wanted to be in mommy's presence and she was not going to stop. See, that's engaging the presence of God. When we know he's there, we know, but there's something that I want to be in his presence so bad and I will chase him down from room to room to room to room. I will go through whatever I have to go through just to be there and recognize him that much more. This is engaging the presence of God. I follow close behind you, protected by your right arm. Brother Lawrence again says this, the presence of God is an applying of your spirit to God. It's when we apply our spirit to God, or I like what he says here, or a realization of God as present. It's not that God wasn't present, it's about us realizing he's present. Or a realization of God as present, which, has, which is born home to us either by imagination or understanding. So if we're disengaged from his presence, we feel dry, we feel fruitless. But to engage in his presence is to engage and re be refreshed by the glory of God. It's to be refreshed by God's glory. Whew. Go to Isaiah. I told you we're hitting them fast. Isaiah chapter 41. Because I believe that as we finish this series, Living in His Presence, that my, my goal for today is to develop a desire in us, a hunger that nothing else is going to do. We're, we're, we're starting the whole first of this year about intentionally getting into the presence of God. Don't forget, start praying about it now. March is coming up. 
where we're going to come in here every night for an hour just to engage his presence. Folks, uh, things are getting ready to change in ways you've never dreamed because you are going to engage his presence intentionally. <clears throat> Isaiah 41 verse 17 from the, passion, uh, the voice says, and when people thirst, when those poor souls with parched tongues look in vain for something to drink, I the eternal, the God of Israel, won't leave them to suffer. I will respond. But what if God never comes back? What if I never feel God's presence like I felt before? We always used to tell people that. Oh, yeah, you're on fire when you first come to Christ. You first open yourself up. You receive the salvation. And you're so on fire. You're so on fire. But just hang on because eventually that'll fade away. And then you just have to live by faith. That never has to fade away. I still want to be with her every day. I don't want to be with anybody. I tell her all the time, you never have to worry about me cheating on you. Ever. I said, because there's no one else in the world I ever want to be with. There's no one I ever want to get that close to. I just don't. When we treat God this way, see, we never have to have that phase where I'm just not as close as I used to be. It's just a love affair. This is a passion that should drive everything in us that I just want to be there. I lie awake at night thinking about you. And he says, what if I don't get that back? God says, I will respond. I won't leave them to suffer. Verse 18, by making the hard brown hills sparkle with streams. This is what he does. If you're in a dry season, guess what? Engage in the presence of God. Because he's going to take that old hard dry ground and he's going to bring up a well in the middle of it. He says a stream of fresh water and causing the valleys to come alive with springs. I will see the gentle pools that the gentle pools wait on where? The desert floor. Well, I'm going through a hard time right now. Well, I'm telling you, he's got an oasis picked out just for you. He's got an oasis in the middle of your dry place for you to sit under his trees. He's going to talk about trees here in a minute. Sit under his trees, sit and be rested, and he will provide you water where you think you are about to die. Engage in his presence. He says, I'll put the gentle pools that wait in the desert floor from the for the weary traveler. And great fountains bubble up from dry ground. In the desert, I will plant cedars and woody acacias and myrtles and olive trees. I will establish the, the great cypresses to flourish in the desert places. Plant oaks and pine trees side by side. What's he saying? He said, I'll even hide you from the sun. Not only am I going to refresh you, but you can take a, 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 a set under my shadow. Verse 20. And they all, and they'll see all this and understand. They'll ponder together and come to know that it is the power of the eternal one that produced this. They will know that the Holy One of Israel has created it. 
folks, engaging in the presence. Go, go to Acts chapter, where are we at? Acts chapter four, I think's next. Is that right? Acts chapter three, sorry, Michael. Thank you to Michael who jumped in back there because of our other computer workers were down. <laughs> I, I, uh, go to Acts chapter four, brother. It's not Acts chapter three, try that one. I don't know why I'm saying four. <clears throat> just go ahead and drop that off. I'll just read it for now. Yeah. Listen to this in Acts chapter three. From the Living Bible says this. It says, now change your mind and attitude to God. You know what that's called? Repentance. Folks, we, we've got, the church has gotten repentance all wrong. We've tried to make repentance for people who don't know and have not awakened to this salvation yet. Repentance was never meant for them. Repentance is meant for the church because our mindsets get twisted and turned. I like what it says there in, in Acts chapter three, verse 19 from the Living Bible. It says, now change your mind and attitude toward God and turn to him so that he can cleanse away your sins and send you wonderful times of refreshing refreshment from the presence of the Lord. If you're reading King James Version, it says, so that when times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Where do times of refreshing come? In the presence. When we engage into the presence of God, that's when we become refreshed. We try to refresh ourselves. With, well, maybe if I do this, I'll feel better. Maybe if I do this, I'll feel better. Maybe I can get my joy back if I do this. Maybe this, this. No, it's only going to be when you engage in the presence. When you hook back to the vine where the life-giving spirit flows. I want to give you a quote from a different person. I... I, I, I A.W. Tozer, and I don't know if you know who that is. You probably don't. Tozer said this. He said, oh God, I have tasted thy goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. Woo, glory. He said, it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty. See, when we engage into the presence of God, we should feel completely satisfied. We think, wait, this is not enough. He said, I have both tasted of your presence. He said, it's made me satisfied and now I'm thirsty for more. Ooh, that's so good. He said, I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. <laughs> he said, I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. Glory to God. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want you. I want you. <laughs> Sorry, it just came to my head. <laughs> Y'all know me by now. This is just where I am. He says, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. It's not that he didn't have it because he said he was satisfied, but God's presence made him satisfied. Then it made him want more. He says, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst.
others to be made more thirsty still. <laughs> Man, do y'all understand how powerful this statement is? <sighs> Show me thy glory. I pray thee, so that I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me the grace to rise and follow thee. Up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. Oh, what a powerful, powerful statement. He says, I want to want you. I long to long. I'm thirsty to be made more thirsty because when I'm thirsty for you, you both satisfy me and make me more thirsty. This is engaging in the presence of God. It should look like we don't know what to do with ourselves if we're not in it. Mm. Isaiah 43. My goodness. No wonder if we acted like this, Scott, they would all think we were nuts. And as well we should be. He called us a peculiar people. Strange people you are. <laughs> Isaiah 43, verse 18 from the voice. Don't revel only in the past or spend all your time recounting the victories of days gone by. Watch closely. I am, pre ah, I am preparing something new. He says, watch closely. I'm preparing something new. It's happening now. Even as I speak, you are about to see it. I am preparing a way through the desert. Waters will flow where there have been none. The wild animals in the fields will honor me. Now listen, you got to understand, he's not talking about dogs and cats and, 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 and donkeys. We're the wild animals. He's talking about people here. Oh, you ain't getting it. I'll show it to you here in a minute. He said, the wild animals in the fields will honor me. The wild dogs and the surly birds will join in. There will be water. Enough for my chosen people, trickling springs and clear streams running through the desert. My people, see he's talking about people. The ones whom I choose, I created for my own. I will sing my praise. In truth, you never really called upon me. He said, in truth, you've never really got me this way. He said, in truth, you never really called upon me, did you, Jacob, my people? So then how could you be tired of me? You've yet to really find me and understand me. So how in the world could you be tired of me? Oh, Jacob, my own. Israel, my own. You didn't, listen, oh, listen. You didn't present me with a sheep for burnt offerings or acknowledge me in sacrifices. Listen, I didn't tire you. Go ahead, Michael. I didn't tire you by demanding so many gifts of offerings and incense. God says, I'm not trying to make you tired by doing a lot of 
junk here. He said, I didn't tire you by demanding so many gifts of offerings and incense. No sweet cane, no money, no glorious excesses have you given me. You didn't even try to satisfy me with the fat of your sacrifices. Instead, you tired me with your sins, bloodshed, and lies, crimes and offenses. You wore me down with all your belligerence and faults. You ready? Look at verse 25. So let's get this clear. Is 25 on there, brother? So let's get this clear. It is for my own sake that I save you. (laughs) I'm reading verse 25. He says, so let's get this clear. I'm not saving you for you. I'm saving you for me. Oh, shut up my heart. I ain't doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. When's the last time that you looked at your lover and said, I'm loving you. I ain't loving you for me, for you. I'm loving you for me. Because it's better that you're in my life. It's my, my life is better because you're here. God's saying the same thing. I am not tiring you with sacrifices. I'm not tiring you with all this stuff that you have to do for me. Let's get this clear. I am doing love for you because it's better for me. Woo! He says, let's get this clear. It is for my own sake that I save you. I am he who wipes the slate clean and erases your wrongdoing. I will not call to mind your sin anymore. (laughs) We could just bask in that for a minute. I will not call to mind your sin anymore. I want to leave you with one last quote from from Brother Lawrence. He said, I regard myself the most wretched of all men, stinking and covered with sores as one who has committed committed all sorts of crimes against the king, against his king. Overcome by remorse, I confess all my wickedness to him Ask his pardon and abandon myself entirely to him to do with as he will. Oh, glory. But this king, filled with goodness and mercy, far from chastising me, oh, 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 Far from chastising me, lovingly embraces me. He makes me to eat at his table. He serves me with his own hands. Gives me the keys of his treasures and treats me as his favorite. He talks with me and is delighted with me. 
in a thousand and one ways. Mm. He, he forgives me. He relieves me of my principal bad habits without talking about them. Well, glory. <laughs> this is engaging the presence of God. We've let guilt and junk keep us out. And he says, come in. Hook to me because when you remain living in my presence, it is the life force that will pump through you and in, from inside of you will stream fruitfulness. Inside of you will flow power. And it's only when we engage in this presence of a God that took all of our bad habits and says, you know what, we're just not gonna talk about them anymore. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Oh, oh, glory. Oh, to bask in your presence, Father. Let us understand what Tozer said. Said, I, 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 I long for longing. I'm thirsty to be made more thirsty. Oh, let us understand what is meant, Father, by your presence that loves and lives in us so heavily that we just cannot escape you. And we lay at night, at night thinking about you, constantly engaged with you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.